Hello and welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. My name is Lee Younger. I'm one of the pastors here, and this is a message I gave on Sunday morning, September 26th, 2021, from the Gospel of John in chapter 11. Okay, for uh, for a few weeks, I want to talk about an interesting thing about some of the miracles of Jesus. There's this weird little thing that happens in which sometimes when Jesus would heal somebody or he would work some miraculous moment in their life, they would need an extra something after it was over. And I don't know if you've recognized this before. It was like every now and then it's like he didn't finish the miracle. Like there's just some other little thing that needs to happen. Jesus did all kinds of miracles, healed all kinds of different things. And one thing that's really cool about the healing miracles of Jesus in particular, he never heals the same thing twice. He never heals two people in the same way. Like he always has some individual way of dealing that. If he, if he healed two different people of leprosy, he did that in two different ways. If he healed two different blind people, he did that in two different ways. He, he would touch people sometimes. Sometimes he just spoke a word Sometimes, one time he actually spat on the ground into some dirt, made some mud, stuck it on this dude's face. And you're like, I don't know if I really want that one. One time he actually asked a guy to, a guy that couldn't speak, asked him to stick his tongue out of his face. Jesus spat on the guy's tongue. And you're like, okay, that's a, I think, you know, we need a little boundaries, Jesus. Like, I don't know if I want you to spit on my tongue. He spat on a guy's eyes one time. One time, no kidding, not making this up, he like double wet willied a guy that like could not hear. He's like, got his, stuck his fingers in the guy's ears right there. You're like, this is weird. Like, <laughs> there's some weird stuff in the Bible, some of it by Jesus. But he, he healed people in tons of different ways. And then every now and then, after the Jesus part was over, there was something else that needed to be done. And I want to look at those. It's like some people were almost fixed. Like they weren't quite cooked all the way. Something else had to happen. And that to me is actually comforting because I don't know about you, but I know that Jesus has worked in my life and I know a lot of stuff has changed because Jesus has come into my life, but I still feel like there's a lot of work left to do. Amen. I mean, I'm not all the way cooked. So when I look in the scriptures and I find, you know, Jesus does something amazing in somebody's life and then there's something else that needs to happen, that's good news to me. So I want to look at some people who were almost fixed. All right. We're going to start with Lazarus. One of probably the most amazing things that Jesus did that we know about. Uh, the guy who wrote the, the gospel that the Lazarus story appears in tells us at the end of his book, Jesus did so much stuff that if all of it were written down, I don't suppose the world would be able to contain the books. So he could have done some amazing stuff that's even cooler than the Lazarus thing, and we just don't even know about it. But of the ones we know about, the Lazarus one is like probably like number one, like top of the tops, like, you know, like the ESPN top 10, that's going to be the number one thing that he did. Lazarus, as you, if you, if you've heard the story at all, you know, this, like Lazarus was a good buddy of Jesus. We know this because his sisters, Martha and Mary, when he got sick, they reached out to Jesus and they said, the one that you love is sick. And that's bold. Like, I, Hey, Jesus, I'm just letting you know, um, your boy, is not doing well. So come and take care of it. Jesus didn't come right away. He stayed where he was a couple of days. Lazarus dies. They make their way there finally. Dude has been in the tomb for four days. 
Jesus says some really cool things. He says some things about how Lazarus isn't dead, he's just asleep, which is like, that's, that's, kind, of like a, that's kind of like an elbow, like straight to the face of death. It's like, just deal with that. I'm just going to call death sleep. And Jesus did some stuff like that sometimes. He calls himself the resurrection and the life. Really, really cool stuff happening in this chapter. He goes to the place where the tomb is, and he says, Roll away the stone. And of course, Martha, Lazarus' sister, is like, I don't really think that's a good idea because it's going to smell bad. And that's not what we're really doing right here, Jesus. We're trying to grieve and mourn and everything. And Jesus is like, silence the haters. Roll the stone away. They do. And then he calls forth Lazarus. This is amazing. I'm going to read some of this. In John chapter 11, it says this. I'm going to start in 41. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Okay, so... Maybe the most amazing of all Jesus' miracles, a guy's been dead for four days, and boom, Jesus brings the guy back to life. And you're like, that is amazing. Of all the Bible stories, is this one of the ones I would want to see? No. I would not want to see it because it got real creepy real fast, y'all. Like, it was amazing, but it was also super creepy. Like, it turned into a horror movie with, like, Brendan Fraser in it. It was like the mummy all of a sudden. Like, all, like, like it's not like Lazarus came out of his grave like James Brown. Like, uh, I'm back. You know, like, he didn't. That was not the vibe of this thing. Like, when they buried people, what they would do is they would take these strips of linen and they would cake them with this perfume that was like, it was like, like, gluey, tacky, sticky, perfumey, Stuff They would coat the, the linen strips in that, and then they would wrap them up tight like a, like a full-body cast. And over a period of few days, that stuff would harden like a cast. So when Jesus brought this guy back to life, like imagine coming up out of a grave, out of a tomb, in a full-body cast. Like, I don't even know how, like, is he just like shifting weight? Is he jumping? I don't know how he did it, but somehow he gets to the mouth of this tomb, and all of a sudden, it's like a PG-13 horror movie. Like, we do not need to show this to little children. Like, this is one of those Bible stories. It's always, it always surprised me that, like, Samson is in little kids' Bibles. It's like, this is not a story for children in any way. Like, why is this in here? And the only way you can do it is just not tell any of it. You know, it's just like Samson was strong and things. You know, like, that's, that's the only way we can tell it to kids. This story is like that. Like, we do not want to show this to little kids. Although, I do remember... I do remember one time when Anna was in like kindergarten and her coming home from school and telling us that there was a boy in her class who had seen all of the Saw movies. Which I don't know if you know what these are. These are like really awful horror movies. Like, I do not watch the Saw movies. I do not want that stuff in my head and in my eyeballs. I do not want to not be able to forget that stuff. And this little kid in kindergarten is bragging like, yeah, I, I've seen all, like, not just one of, like all of the Saw movies by kindergarten. It's like, bro, you can't even spell your name yet. And I know every parent has the right to do things differently, but look, y'all, we need to have a meeting. Like, mm-mm, not saw, not in kindergarten. Like, if it takes a village to raise a kid, we need to have like a village powwow. Like, that is, that is not a good thing. Anyway, so this whole Lazarus thing got real creepy real quick. The guy comes out like a mummy, wrapped from head to toe in these linen strips. 
And then Jesus says this thing, take the grave clothes off of him and let him go. So he was almost fixed. Jesus does something amazing, raises a dead guy back to life. Like he's been dead for four days and he's fully and completely alive. The sickness that killed him, he, he is healed of that. Like he is good to go almost. He's still all wrapped up. And Jesus says, take the grave clothes off of him. Jesus, by the way, could have made the grave clothes go away. Like he could have healed him in that way. Like grave clothes are not beyond Jesus. It's not like Jesus is like, well, I can raise the dead, but I can't really deal with grave clothes. Like it, that's not a thing. He could have totally done that. He could have passed right through him. But he leaves the grave clothes to the other people that were there. It's like Jesus has his part of working in Lazarus's life. And then he has the everybody else part like all of Lazarus's friends and family, his community. He's like, I've done something, now I want y'all to do something for this guy. I've worked in his life, now I want y'all to work in his life. There's the Jesus part, and then there's the community part. And I can get down with this, because I know that like, Jesus has worked in my life, and yet I'm not all the way done. Do y'all feel me on that? And I need the people in this room to feel me on that as well. Amen. I need help. I'm not all the way there yet. I'm still kind of bound up and wrapped up and tied up. And I need somebody to help me get untied and unbound and unwrapped. There's the Jesus part. And then there's the community part. So what is Jesus saying to us? Because every single person in here, every single person who's called in the name of Jesus has been like Lazarus in a sense, raised from the dead. Remember that place in Ephesians chapter two, where Paul said that you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who's now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us at one time were like them, like we were all tied up to all that other stuff. And then God, out of his great love, out of his great love, he raised us with Christ. In a way, we're all like Lazarus, raised from the dead. And yet... We all got some grave clothes still, right? What does this mean? Now, I have to say, every time that I've ever thought about this before this week, I've always thought about that grave clothes thing. Like, I mean, I guess it's just kind of a product of, I don't know, church or just my own heart or whatever, but I automatically think sin, right? It's automatic. It's like, I guess it means sin, probably. It's like the answer to everything is, I gotta do something about my sin, which maybe it does. Maybe, maybe like your old self or your old ways or old things, maybe that's the thing that's really holding you back from walking with Jesus. I'm sure that's true part of the time. And maybe the community's job is, you know, uh, get in somebody's face and point out their sins or whatever. Nobody likes you when you do that, but I mean, <laughs> I guess that could be what he's saying here. I would say this, like, there are going to be times when, then, when uh, as part of a community, as friends walking with Jesus together, there are going to be times when, when the Lord calls you to help somebody see something about themselves that they don't see. That's going to happen. What I would say is deploy that when you know he's calling you to it. Like, don't make that like your MO. Like, you're the guy that just goes around like calling everybody out on their sin because that's not the guy anybody wants to invite to the party. Um, and I would say this as well. If you are in a moment, in a conversation, in a relationship where that does have to happen, make sure that you do that well. 
Uh, Galatians chapter 6 says, If any of you catches a brother or sister in some sin, you should restore them gently. Um, that word gently, or, or sorry, that word restore is the same word that's used when Jesus came up on, on uh, James and John and called them to be his disciples. And it says they were sitting there mending the nets, their fishing nets. It's that word. To restore means to mend. When we need to call somebody out, we need to make sure that that conversation, the goal of that conversation is to mend this person. We need to do it gently. Paul goes on to say, um, he says, restore them gently. He said, and be careful, watch yourself, or you may fall into the same temptation. He said, don't let anybody think you're something when you're nothing. He said, but if you carry each other's burdens, you fulfill the law of Christ. This is a thing that we do have to do for each other. And maybe that's what it means about the grave clothes, that we've all been raised with Christ because of the great love of Jesus and what Jesus has done for us. Maybe it means that we're supposed to help each other work out, you know, uh, you know get those, our old self and get rid of that. But let's make sure that we do that well. Let's make sure that we do that when we're called to do it, right? But I don't know if that's exactly what I'm getting out of this grave clothes thing right now. Let me break this down. I was looking at this verse specifically where Jesus gives us a job to do. The community of Lazarus. Take off the grave clothes, let him go. What's really interesting is when you look at this in the original language, the phrase grave clothes is not in there. Like he just doesn't say that. It's just not in there at all. Jesus doesn't actually say take off the grave clothes. You know what he actually says? He just says unbind him and let him go. That's the word, unbind him. He doesn't even mention the grave clothes. Of course, that's what he's talking about, but he doesn't mention them. He says, unbind him. It's a word that means to break, to untie, to loose, to unbind. It's that word. It's the exact same word that's used in Mark chapter one, when John the Baptist says of Jesus, after me is coming somebody more powerful than I am. And I am not even worthy to bend down and untie the straps on his sandals. It's that word, to untie. And I was thinking about that. I was thinking about when you untie the straps of the sandals at the end of a long day, because those tired dogs are barking. And I'm like, you know what? If I had some people in my life and they made it their goal, I want to, I want to, untie that brother's shoes for him. Let, let him just, not like literally, like I can untie my own shoes, guys. But I mean like metaphorically, like in, when it comes to like the stuff that I'm going through, I want people in my life to realize some days I'm just dog tired and I need to slip out of those shoes. And isn't that the best feeling, by the way, when you've been through a really long, hard day and you start untying those shoes and you kick off that first one and your foot is just like, oh yeah, we're done with this day. It's like the first symbol of rest. We made it through this day. It's like Jesus is saying, be that for people. Be that first moment. Like, release them from the tiredness of that tired dog day. Let those, when those dogs are barking, let them get some rest. Untie them. It's the same word that is used in Mark chapter 11 when Jesus was about to go into, uh, he was about to march into Jerusalem, declare himself as the king, and he said, okay, on the edge of town, there's this, this colt of a donkey that nobody has ever ridden before. Untie it and bring it to me. Untie that donkey and bring it here. It's that exact same word. And I was thinking about this little donkey's colt and how when they untied him, they turned him loose. 
They brought him to Jesus, and he walked with Jesus and had the best day of his life. I mean, just announcing the kingship of Jesus. We're talking about the kingdom of Jesus moving forward in his bold way ever. And for that little donkey's colt, the greatest day of his life. You know, he was just strutting his stuff, like fulfilling prophecy, bringing Jesus into town. Little kids are going crazy, singing the palm branches, the whole thing. What if our role for each other was, I want to turn loose. I want to turn this person loose so that they can have their greatest day ever with Jesus. Like, I want to find out what is the thing that's holding them back right now so that I can turn them loose and they can have their best day ever with Jesus. Wouldn't that be awesome if somebody did that for you? Somebody brought you that rest that you need. Somebody pulled that one thing out of the way so that you could be turned loose and have your best day with Jesus. It's the same word that's used in Revelation chapter 5 when the angel said, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? You know, when that when those seals were broken in the book of Revelation and the scroll opened, it was like an explosion that like destroyed the whole earth. Like the, nothing was, will ever be the same again. It hasn't happened yet. It was a prophecy. But like it's going to be explosive and the, everything's going to change. And I have seen people in my life before, and I wonder if you have too. Maybe it's happened in your life where like somebody said something, somebody did something. And it was like, boom, they were turned loose and they became an explosion. What if we could be that for each other? The thing that turns somebody loose. That's what Jesus was saying about Lazarus. I'm going to do something amazing in this guy's life. And then I want you to turn him loose. It's like he's being held back. And all of a sudden, boom, he just explodes upon the scene. Turn him loose. Let him go. Give him rest. Give him that explosive thing. Let him have this greatest day ever with Jesus. I was thinking about this for myself, and I thought, you know, sometimes the thing holding me back from, from being that person is, you know, sin and stuff. And sometimes somebody gets in my face, even when they do it well, and it's like, boom, it's a, it's a great moment. We work through it. It's hard, you know, and, and then everything, you know, and, and I'm walking with Jesus a little bit better. Most of the time, though, and I don't know if anybody else feels me on this. Most of the time, the thing that's holding me back is I'm afraid of stuff. Most of the time, the thing that's holding me back is I'm just flat out really insecure. Anybody else on that? Most of the time, the thing that's holding me back is I just feel ashamed like maybe not even of a specific thing. I just feel like not enough. Anybody on that one? And the best thing ever is when somebody comes along and tears down one of those fears. That short circuits one of those insecurities. That gets rid of one of those shames that I'm feeling. And boom, I'm turned loose. It actually happened to me this week, right? So I... One of the things that I do is I go to Oak Ridge High School and I walk in and I just try to meet teenagers because, you know, I hope that one day we'll be friends and I can tell them about Jesus. And there's 3,000 of them there. And I don't know if you realize this, but I'm 42. And so I'm like, hey, like, I don't even like, I don't even know. Like, I can't pretend to be cool anymore. Like, that's not a deal. So like the only thing I can do is just like, hi, guys. Good morning. Hope you had a great weekend. How's today shaping up? What do you have first period? Like, I like your shoes. Like, I'm just trying my hardest. And sometimes I have, like, sometimes walking into that building with people that are, you know, 15, 16, 17 years old, it's like the scariest thing in the world. 
And um, like this past week, I was walking in this one day and I have to, I mean, just flat out, I woke up that morning and I was just piled high with insecurities. I just, I just felt like I'm, I'm the worst loser that there is. Like it was just, it was just like a, a, just a symphony of that stuff was going on in my head. And I'm somehow like walking into this building with 3000 teenagers, like going to talk to them. It's, this is going to be great. I'm sure. And all of a sudden I got this text message from somebody in this room and, and he said, Hey, this is random. I just wanted to say for, you know, for some reason, I just woke up really thankful for you today and like the part you've had in my life or something like that. And it was like, I'd been shot out of a gun. I was like, let's go into that school. Like I was ready to go. It was just like, it was like this thing was holding me back. And all of a sudden I was just shot out of a gun because I was unbounded. I was untied. I was let loose. I felt like an arrow that had been shot into that school. I don't think it went any like better. I was still 42 and still not very cool and all that stuff. But like I felt completely different. Okay, so I think that's our job. I think for the people in our lives that are almost fixed and, and we need it too, that we're supposed to be like the community of Lazarus. We're supposed to be the people unbinding each other from all these fears and insecurities and from the shame that we feel and all that stuff. And you might be like, okay, well, how do I do that? Um, I don't know, but like, I think we should swing for it this week. Maybe it means for you, maybe it means like, I'm going to write a note to somebody and I'm gonna put it in the mailbox and they're gonna get snail mail from me. And I mean, I know so many of us have benefited from some people in this room that do that. I mean, I get stuff like that in my mailbox. I get it from Andrew. I get it from Miss Joyce. I get it from people. And it just changes my whole week. Maybe you can do that. Maybe you can send a random text message like I did. Maybe you can sit down with somebody over coffee or ask somebody to go for a walk and do like this. I was thinking about this this week and I was thinking, you know, last year I had to go to a lot of physical therapy. And I had to go to a lot of physical therapy because I wasn't sleeping. I was in a ton of pain and I was struggling and everything. And my physical therapists are like magicians. They're like wizards and they're amazing. Donnie and Eric. And, and the cool thing, I was thinking about the stuff that they did and I'm going to super simplify it because I know, I know they're PhDs and they went to school for a million years, whatever, whatever. I'm going to super simplify it though. The main thing that they did was they looked me in the face and they said, tell me how you're feeling. What hurts? When does it hurt? What happened? Well, I have a little insight about that. Let's try this. I got a thought. Why don't we try that and make an adjustment? And they send me on my merry way. Now, sometimes there was acupuncture. And so I'm not saying you should really do that for your friends. But like, I do think that all of us can be on a walk with somebody and sit down with somebody and say, where does it hurt? Tell me how you're feeling. And then I always do this little thing. I ask, when I'm having that kind of a conversation with somebody, I'm always praying two specific things. Lord, give me some little bolt of insight into this thing, because I don't know anything. Give me some little piece of wisdom. And two, and this is a cool one, um, would you give me a glimmer of how you feel about them? Just tell me, how, tell me something you see in them. Tell me something you love about them. Tell me how you see them. And I think we can all do that. I think we can invite people to coffee. I think we can invite people to go on a walk. And I think while you're asking them how they feel, you can ask the Lord to give you some insight into whatever they're going through. And you can ask them, ask the Lord to tell you how he feels about them. 
And so I don't know if I'm really going to tell you to be physical therapists for each other. I don't know. I know there's, that's a really, those guys are wizards. It's super complicated. Um, but I was trying to think of something that's a little bit closer to home. And I thought about this. When I was in the eighth grade, my best friend really liked this girl. And he just thought, she'll never like me. She's too amazing. Like, I, I'm, I, you know, I suck too much or whatever. Like, there's no way that this girl will ever like me and everything. And then I had Spanish class with her, like, the next period. And I was talking to her in Spanish class, and she was like, dude, I think your friend, that guy, I just think he is so cute and he is so funny. And I was like, oh, in middle school, that's it, man. You, look, if you got cute and funny, I mean, you're Golden Grams. Like, that's... That's like the ball game right there. Like, I don't know how you're going to top that. And so I was able to go to him. And the next time we were talking, he was like, I just don't think I'm just, I'm just the worst. And she likes every, she would like every other guy more than me. And I was like, dude, she said you're both cute and funny. And, and he was like, for real? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, I'm asking her out next day. Like, let's do this thing. And he was shot out of a gun. And it was just like, and so I got this idea. And y'all try it out. If it doesn't work, you kick it right back to me. What if we could be like each other's wingman? <laughs> like, like, the, like the person in somebody's life that's like, nah, man, I think you should ask her out. Like, I think she'll totally go for you. In the sense of like, we tell each other how God feels about you. Like, I sit down with you and I tell you how Jesus sees you. Wouldn't that be awesome? Because as much as like whatever situation I'm afraid of or whatever, the thing I really, really need to know is I really, really need to know that God and I are all right. And I need people to remind me of that all the time. We need to untie each other from our fears, our insecurities, the things that, because like I love how it's said of Lazarus, his feet were bound, his hands were bound, and his face was covered up. In other words, he couldn't walk real well, he couldn't feel what he needed to, and he couldn't see what he needed to see. He couldn't see who he was. He couldn't feel the things that he needed to feel about his own life and about his own importance, about his own self. And he couldn't walk the way he needed to walk. And I think we can untie each other. I think our job as the community of Jesus, as each other's friends and family in Christ, is to encourage one another, to pump each other up, to untie each other from the stuff that's holding us back. Amen? Okay, so this happened to me another time this week. I think all of you, most of you guys know this. Tom... Uh, who's at UT Hospital this morning. He's not there as a patient. He's there working on his chaplaincy thing. Um, he writes a little email to our church every, like, Friday-ish, like, whenever it comes out. And, and you know, it usually has, like, sports and weather and, you know, and, and puns <laughs> and stuff like that. But it always has, like, super encouraging stuff from the scriptures. And uh, this one did roll in on Friday. And, uh, man, it's, there's no other way to say it. It set me free. Um, I'm going to read some of this to you. Hey, everyone. That's how he starts them all. Hey, everyone. Oh, and by the way, if you, wanna, if you don't get these and you, don't, and you want to get them, you just put your email on that thing, and Kristen will start to send them to you every Friday-ish. Hey, everyone, and good morning, brother and sister of Jesus. What? Don't you mean brother and sister in Christ? What does brother of Jesus mean? I'm not totally sure what it means, but I know that Jesus himself calls us that, and he's not ashamed to do it. He puts that in quotes because that comes from a Bible verse. It says right over there in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 12, that he isn't ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. And that chapter quotes a couple of scriptures to prove it. And he calls you loads of other things you might hesitate to call yourself. He calls you his very own sheep, his bride, his kids, his friends, his treasure. Wow! He thinks way more of me than I think of myself. 
He watches you during the day and while you sleep, and his heart is bursting with love over what he sees. Even when you're pretty bummed or down about yourself, he sees you in a whole other way. He sees what others don't, including you. Once, when someone very special was having a very yucky day of doubt and discouragement, in fact, maybe his worst day up to then, Jesus said about him behind his back, if you will, he's more than a prophet. In fact, there's never been anyone greater. On your worst day, he says, there's nobody like that one. Wow. It's amazing to ponder that he thinks more of me than I think of me and says things about me that I wouldn't dream of saying about myself. And I feel the grave clothes untying and I feel myself ready to go into my day. Amen. Let's be the community and family of Jesus. Let's be like the friends and community of Lazarus. Let's untie each other and send each other into the week ready to go. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the fact that you're working in our lives, but but you leave some stuff for us to do for each other. It's so creative, it's so cool. You bind us together by giving us the joy of unbinding each other from the stuff that's holding us back, from walking, from feeling, from seeing. Thank you for my friends in this room and for the myriads of times that they have gotten me through my week and sent me flying into the next one. Thanks for Joe this week. Thanks for so many others who make it happen for me. Um, thank you for loving us the way you do and sending these people into our lives. Make us professionals at knowing how to do this for each other. Make us intentional. Give us the words, give us the insight, give us the love, give, give us the view of each other that you have of us. Give us uh, uh, the superpower of sending each other into a better week. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. That's what this song is about. And this is something worth singing about. I want you to sing this like you mean it. We're going to go all the way back to the start and sing about the fact that God has made up his mind on us. Sing this with me. When I mess things up, it's easy to think you love me less. But your love for me is the choice you've made where you see me and you say Take me in, and you will never push me.